Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Good Faith Idea Exchange. For today's episode, I am sitting down with Chris Clues. Chris is an author and a keynote speaker who uses 80s pop culture to teach us, um, to teach us about our lives, both our personal lives and our lives in the workplace. Chris has spoken to organizations such as Visa and DHL and universities like the University of Florida, University of Pennsylvania Medicine, and more. Lessons for leadership, communications, teamwork, workplace culture, and and much more. Um, Chris is uh, pulling from these iconic 80s movies, music, and and the characters, the characters themselves. Um, it's a very interesting take, and I think you guys would like to hear it. I think you guys will find it interesting. Give it a listen. Now, touching on music for a second, you know, if you could just go in a, a bit to, you know, to the music from that decade, uh, you know, like, you know, if you can just touch a, a, a bit on like what made um, the music so special from that time and the effect that it still has on us and, and on our lives today. Yeah. So one of the first things I do when I talk about the music from the eighties, and I actually say that eighties pop culture in general, whether it's the movies, the music, the fashion, which was really bad. Um, I talk about how it was almost like somebody took a glitter bomb and threw it against the wall and all these wonderful colors spilled out. And that all those different colors was all the creativity and innovation in the eighties, because there was a lot of it happening, especially in the music. I, I always challenge people when I say, go Google any month of any year, any week, any month, any year of the 80s. So just whatever, June, the third week in June, 1985, and go look at the top 40 and see what you see. In the top 20, you're going to see a Depeche Mode next to an LO Cool J next to Kenny Rogers. And then there'll be like a course of Michael Jackson, Prince or Madonna. You'll, you'll have one of those almost in every, every one of them. Uh, and then you'll have like a Debbie Gibson. Oh, and then we'll throw a Motley Crue. So the point is there, I just listed off seven different genres that were all mixed into this top 40 and usually in the top 20. There was something for everybody and it was all just kind of happening. Uh, I talk about how, and and, and today, like, I don't want to sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but I look at the top 20 and I listen to the top 20 and I got to be honest, like, 18 of the top 20 are typically the same type of genre. Every so often you'll get like a Nas X or somebody doing something that's a little bit different, but for the most part, it's all basically kind of like whatever the pop kind of popish hip hop, but that's yeah. about it. And and that's what I loved about the eighties. Uh, that music is out there today. It's just not in, in volume like it used to be. Hip hop metal were great examples of categories of music that just like exploded. They were all these splinter genres. So if you think about like all the different types of hip hop within that particular genre, I mean, for every, for every ice cube, you had a young MC. And if you think about it that way, right. For every, uh, for every tone loke, you had like, um, I don't know, Tribe Called Quest, I think was like early 90s. But if you had like a Tone Loki had Public Enemy. For every Tone Loki had a Public Enemy. For and, and so I could go on and on with that. And then you have on the metal side, you know, for every Metallica, 
you had a poison. For every Megadeth, you had a Bon Jovi. There was just all these different yeah. splinter genres within these 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 genres of music. And I think that's what was really exciting about what was happening with music in the eighties. Wow. I mean, yeah, you just uh, broke out like a whole lot of uh, names. You went pretty deep with it. I like it. I like it very (laughs) much. Yeah. I mean, I was, I I still love all types of music. So I listened to a lot. And one more thing about the music of that decade, you know, I didn't even mention like that when we think about some of the most influential musicians of our time, so many of them came from the eighties. And one thing that the eighties had that no other decade has had before or since, uh, was the soundtrack, the movie soundtrack. And if you go back and you look at movie soundtracks, like just go look at the fast times of Ridgemont high soundtrack, go look at less, the less than zero soundtrack. I mean, that soundtrack is incredible. It has like, I mean, uh, LL Cool J going back to Cali and then it has like Megadeth doing Enigata De Vida and it has uh, I think Danzig and maybe Public Enemy it's like crazy how many people the bangles were on that soundtrack my point is that every big musician and every big group wanted to be on a soundtrack like that was something that you wanted you wanted to be part of a soundtrack you wanted to be part of a movie so we had these great soundtracks and just as one more example there is a movie called Highlander, which they're redoing right now. They keep re- remaking eighties movies, which tells you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're using uh, oh, what's the guy's name from The Witcher and Superman? Um, uh, Henry Cavill. Yeah, so I may I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot just because I like him, um, but I'm not happy that they're redoing and remaking another eighties movie. Yeah. Highlander, the movie, the soundtrack was written all by was done all by Queen. Okay. The, yeah. yeah, it's a queen. The Queen album is called A Kind of Magic, and Freddie Mercury. The story goes that that they sent the the uh, initial cut to Freddie Mercury to ask him if he would do a song for the soundtrack, and apparently they loved the movie, so they did all the music. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I. I mean, you're you're hitting you're hitting me with some stuff I did not even know about. That is very interesting. Okay. And, um, you know, I got to say, like, you know, when I think of, you know, 80s music, Prince does hit hit my mind right away, you know, very quickly, man. Got to say. Oh, yeah. Well, I, you know, I, you have to be, if you think about how many people throughout history have been known by one name across the entire globe, it's a small group of people. And Prince was one of them. Yeah. Very true. Very true. He was very special. Um, yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, okay, so jumping into <laughs> jumping from music now, we've gone we've gone movies, music. Now touching on something else that you know really began to explode in the eighties. Um, you had you know the quote unquote golden age of wrestling, of pro wrestling. You know names like Hogan, Savage, Flair, Andre, and and so many others. Yeah, obviously today it's become, you know, a freaking multi-billion dollar industry. And, you know, you've got like those names, those same names now are legends. And along with guys from, um, you know, the Attitude Era, Austin, The Rock and The Undertaker, Michael, so many others. And, you know, I'm just curious about where you feel pro wrestling might fit 
you know, into this concept and um, what do you think can be learned and, and drawn from it? Yeah. So I was a big wrestling fan in the eighties as well. I actually had met Andre the giant and I'm still trying to find the picture. Uh, oh. I was like 10 or 11. I have, I have the autograph, but I'm still trying to find the picture. Um, pretty cool. And yeah, that was like just such a great time for wrestling with all of those um, awesome characters. In fact, a bunch of my buddies and I went as uh, wrestlers from the eighties for Halloween about six or seven years ago. Um, there's like, I think there was like seven or eight of us. And then we ran into another group. We didn't know these guys and they were doing it too. And we all came together and had like a Royal rumble. It was pretty awesome. Um, oh, out in front of a bar and the bouncers thought we were getting in a fight and we were like, no, 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 it's just, a <laughs> we're just doing a Royal rumble here. Yeah. So that's a great question. I, I think um, more than anything, it's it's kind of like the individuality of it and to have your own story uh, and then the confidence piece of it as well. Like those, those, those guys had to have a lot of confidence walking into that ring. Now, they may have been very different people outside of the ring, may have been, you know, quiet guys. Some of them weren't, some of them were, but the idea that you – you have to create this character and then you have to have the confidence to, to pull it off. And each of those characters were like such individuals and they had these great background stories. And so I think if there's anything to learn from them, it's to be, to be yourself, to be an individual, to, mm. you know, live your story, whatever that story is. Um, yeah. They were characters of course, but those characters were real to so many of us because they made them real. And yeah. so I think that, that idea of individuality and really being, you know, living your story, whatever that story is and embracing it. That is very, very true. This is, this is really good. Um, this is good stuff. And I mean, there are, you know, there are wrestlers from the eighties and from the nineties, like, you know, rattle off who, you know, and, and some of these wrestlers, like when they first came on the scene, some some of them, a couple of them, were pretty unpopular, um, and the fans did not like them. And over time, um, they became some of the most popular names in in pro wrestling history. And the you know when they're interviewed, they'll tell you that the thing one of the things that changed for each of them was they began to put more of themselves. They began to put more of who they. Um, the person that they really were into their character. And, and um, you know, once people kind of, you know, because people, because people aren't stupid, they can kind of tell when you're being, you know, having a certain level of authenticity and, um, you know, to yourself. And, um, you know, when, when, when people began to see that in the character, that's when, you know, they really, each of those people really, I think really had something special, but, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. But anyway, um, so I just wanted to kind of know your thoughts um, here on this next uh, topic because I already have mine. You know, I'm too young to have lived through this myself, but Star Wars was kind of a staple in the 1980s. You know, bigger than Indiana Jones, bigger than, you know, pretty much any franchise you know, during this time. And, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering, um, what do you think made those original three movies resonate with moviegoers the way that it did? 
And how would you compare it to this, you know, this insanely huge franchise that, um, that exists today? Yeah. So oddly enough, I was not a huge star Wars fan. Um, I know that's going to get me in in trouble with a lot of people, but I, uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, and certainly obviously it's, you know, the impact on the culture is, is unmatched in terms of even today. I don't know that there's, I'm not sure. Maybe I mean, you know, the Marvel stuff maybe, but Star Wars. I think I think what happened with Star Wars was if you go back and you watch the original Star Wars, the special effects are incredible. Like they're really incredible. I was just watching a piece of it the other day. And how they actually did that back whatever it was, 30 40 40 some years ago, it's pretty spectacular. It really holds up. And I mean, clearly somebody's, oh, well, yeah, the CGI, you know, look at CGI today. It's not even close. I'm like, yeah, of course not. But they were doing things with special effects that it blows my mind that they were actually doing what they what they did at that time. And I think that was a big, I mean, the storyline is great. Obviously, the characters are great and, and the whole concept is amazing. But that those special effects really kind of, it was almost like a Jurassic Park moment for people back then. So when yeah. Jurassic Park hit the theaters and people saw those dinosaurs and they're like, "Oh my god, this is this look this looks real." Right. That's what Star Wars did. It changed the landscape of special effects forever and it put the bar really really high, which is why you didn't really see any there were some good sci-fi movies in the 80s. There were some good uh special effects movies in the 80s, but nobody really could get to them in terms of the level that they set in the eighties. And so I think that was pretty amazing. Late seventies, actually late seventies. And then into the eighties when, you know, with return of the Jedi and empire strikes back. Um, So I I think that was a big part of why people were fascinated by it. It also was like this story that kind of took you away. And a lot of movies at the time, because I'm going to really thinking about like, I think star Wars came out. Oh God. I want to say 70, 1977. Yeah, 1977. Um, a lot of the movies then were were like stories of life, and they weren't. Uh, there weren't a lot of movies like that, to be honest, that took you to another world. And so I think that was a big part of it as well. Mm. For me, you know, I loved the Indiana Jones movies, and I loved the Rocky movies. When we talk about franchises in the eighties, yeah. even with Rocky starting in the late seventies. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's a big part of it. And of course they've just expanded on the universe um, more than I think anybody else has. And we'll see, we'll see where it takes them from here. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's any movie series that has embedded itself in our culture as much as star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, you know those original three movies. Um, you know they, I, I, I definitely agree about um, the special effects. Um, yeah, I mean I can only imagine what that was like back in, you know, nineteen seventy seven, and you know seeing, you know seeing the, you know the level of effects that you know they had back then. You know because there, there's so much stuff that was kind of spawned from some some of these same concepts that were um introduced in Star Wars that um the effects in some of those in some of those movies um 
Yeah, especially the beginning and, and Empire Strikes Back. I mean, people just really hadn't seen anything like that before. And, um, you know, it kind of changed um, changed things a lot. But, you know, have to say, this is just my personal opinion, but, you know, I, I think it was uh, Liam Neeson who was interviewed um, not too long ago, maybe like a year ago or maybe less than a year ago probably less than a year ago he was um and he played Qui-Gon Jinn of course and um uh you know Fa the Phantom Menace in 1999 and um you know he was asked if he was you know considering reprising his role and you know he pretty much had you know he didn't straight up say that he was done but he pretty much straight up said that he was done in that um you know his his take on it was like Back in the day, Star Wars was this, um, it, it felt to him like it was this, you know, mysterious, different world that, you know, hadn't been explored too much, you know, to the point that, you know, there was still a lot of mystery there and a lot of wonder there, you know, a lot of openness um, in that, that whole universe. And now, you know, that Disney's kind of doing its own thing with it, it you know, it, it, I guess it sort of feels like there's like project after project after project coming out. And yeah, I guess he felt like with each new project constantly coming out, it kind of, it, it feels like that um, openness and that creativity, it kind of, you know, gets, you know, tightened, like, you know, just a little bit more every time on, um, you know, what's, what's, um, what's possible, you know, and, um, that's I guess that's just my opinion, but wanted to put that out there. Just wanted to put that out there. And yeah, yeah, they definitely. I mean, they've explored a lot, so that's why I said it'd be interesting to see where they go from here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I have no idea where they're going to go from here, but we will see because um, they finished the Skywalker saga now. But anyway, going from Star Wars to something else that um, you know, I have my own thoughts on too, but uh, I'm just curious um, how you feel about Marvel. Uh, Marvel comics continue to grow in popularity in the eighties. And now the movies are really the, the biggest and most successful thing in, in the movies these days. Uh, you know, do you think anyone could have seen the success of comic book films coming? And why do you think these sorts of films have become so, so successful over the last 15 years. Yeah. So I think initially, look, th that's another massive universe. Uh, there's just an unlimited amount of um, content when it comes to Marvel and DC. Uh, you just, they could literally just use those two universes and probably make half of the movies. Um, I, I wouldn't want that, but it's certainly possible because it's such a huge universe. And I think that um, the I think part of it was that the special effects were there now where you could actually tell these stories in a way that they deserve to be told. Because after all, they are really the, the stories. I mean, some of the stories are like Iron Man and Batman have really interesting backstories, but I think the special effects getting to a point where you could actually tell these stories and really put, put the, the action and the worlds 
on the screen in a way that was believable, or at least, you know, we suspend belief, of course, when we go to the movie theater, but believable in the sense that you're like watching this superhero do these things. I think that was a big part of it, that they could actually tell those stories in a way that looked not real, but um, where the special effects could keep up with the really great stories that these comic books and these, these comic book characters told. All right. So this concludes part one of my conversation with Chris Clues. As always, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I hope you found it interesting. And stay tuned because there's another episode like this coming up next week. Um, And we kind of delve deeper into uh, Chris's philosophy and his motivations. Anyway, um, as always, uh, feel free to subscribe um, to the podcast wherever you listen, feel free to give the podcast a rating, whatever you think it deserves. Um, With that said, I really have nothing more to add. So have a great day, everyone.